My guest on today's episode is Heather Crabtree. Heather is your savvy business coach, and she's a growth strategist who helps online coaches and service pros who have been in business for five or more years unlock their next level in business. And this part is important, you guys. She helps them do that without compromising their goals, priorities, values, or sacrificing their boundaries. Now, for the past 12 years, Heather has been able to help service pros grow a successful business that is truly aligned with the life they want. And you will hear this as we get into our discussion today. She wants to help you do the same thing. The experiences that Heather has had in her business as an entrepreneur, as a mother, and as a human, we discuss them all in detail. Heather is open and honest, and I am so appreciative that she shared her journey because you will find that everything she's gone through has taught her lessons about how she wants to live her life and how she wants to empower the rest of us to live and prioritize our lives. And I found myself extremely touched by, of course, her story, but also how she has built resilience and optimism into her life and spread that around to all of us, even as she is still, as you will hear, going through an incredibly powerful grief experience. Now, Heather is formerly an attorney. I love that part of her story. She's also the owner of a successful business an event planning company that she ran for 11 years. And of course, now, as I mentioned, she's the founder of Your Savvy Business. Now, I do want to share one thing before you continue to listen to this episode. Heather and I discuss an incredibly tragic moment in her life, and that is the loss of her daughter, London. London so bravely battled neuroblastoma, a childhood pediatric cancer, and died in 2023. And so you will hear Heather speak eloquently about that experience of being a caregiver and a caretaker over a number of years, what it was like to run a business during this period of time, what it was like to go through a number of these experiences and developments with London's health during a time when the world was going through a pandemic and all sorts of shifts. Heather's experience, her story, everything is so beautiful, but it is also raw and fresh. And she expresses that. And I just want to let you know, if this is not the episode for you right now, where you are in your life, I understand completely. But for those of you who have been following Heather for years as I have, or who may just be getting to know her on today's episode, I am truly honored that she came on the show to share her story, to talk about her passion for empowering business owners and leaders who are having an impact on the world, but having an impact on their own lives and their own families as well. I enjoyed this conversation so much, and I know that you will as well. So without further ado, here is Heather Crabtree. Welcome to Hard Costs, the podcast. I'm your host, Katie Widrick, fractional CMO and funnel fixer. And guess what? I'm good in a crisis and I know how to see through the chaos to find clarity. That's something I've learned from working behind the scenes as a strategic partner for visionary CEOs. I'm on a mission to bring founders to the forefront and to tell the truth about the hard costs of doing business. You know, we all see wins shared on social media highlight reels every day. 
But what we don't often get a glimpse into are the tough times, the lost revenue, hiring and firing, moments that required major pivots, and so much more. On Hard Costs, we're bringing forward the stories that will help you understand that the roller coaster ride you're on is all part of the gig. And just like a roller coaster, the founder journey can be pretty thrilling. Take a listen while I share my own experiences, case studies from companies I've worked with, and I'm joined by some of my favorite founders to help you navigate this storm the right way. Now let's rise together. Welcome, Heather. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Oh my gosh. Well, I want to just share a little behind the scenes moment. So when I was first conceiving hard costs, my podcast producer said, well, who would you like to get on? And I said, oh, there's a dream list. Like there, there's a list of people that have been inspiring me or that are just really doing magic, especially in business coaching and in marketing. And I said, but I don't know if, I don't know if they'll want to come on and talk to me. And she said, make your list. And Heather, you were on like the very top of that list along with so many people that I feel like I've been watching and learning from and thankfully getting to meet over the last decade plus. And so when I reached out to you and you said, yes, I did like an actual dance in my house. I was very glad that you couldn't see it, but I really have been so inspired by what you do and how you've been doing it for the last few years. So I just, Thank you. There's, there's no, almost no response that you can have when someone's gushing over you. But I just wanted to tell you as we get into <laughs> your story and your journey, um, do you know the, the phrase blends? Is that something you and your colleagues ever use to reference blogging friends? Or am I dating oh, myself? No, no. But I mean, I get it because I'm. I mean, I'm probably I'm probably older than you are. Um, but um, no, I did, have never heard that term before. Well, I think of you as a blend, um, and it maybe it's like the new parasocial relationship where you know you feel like you have relationships with people because you've been watching them. Um, but you know, when right. I started blogging, I was it was sillytatertot.blogspot.com, and I had no mm-hmm. concept that fast forward that I would be coaching high-level entrepreneurs and content creators and business owners. Like there's no way that somebody on a free blogspot website should have become what I became. But right. it really came from learning and growing and getting to know people and really seeing an opportunity in the marketplace. And I'm wondering if you look back at kind of your origin story, mm-hmm. was this what you expected to be doing in 2023 and beyond? Interestingly enough, not in this way. I never thought I would be a coach or a, you know, I have a business major. I was a business major in college. Um, then I went to law school. So my dream was to own a law firm. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, always. Um, I, my parents didn't even go to college. So I was really the first one to do that. And then, um, I just loved, I love seeing people build things from something they loved. And I think that's where it came from. And I come from a huge family. So my dad was one of 11. So on we got together every Sunday and we would have like 70 of us at my grandmother and grandfather's mamma and papal is what we used to call them, um, house in Indiana where I grew up. And so community and family were always such an integral part of everything that I did. It was just, it was second nature to me. So when I 
started to build a business. Well, I, I did work for a law firm for a year after I graduated law school and I hated it. Um, and I was like, I'm, I can't do this. And I was just like, I'm not going to work my life away doing something that I don't enjoy. I love the education of it. I'm so, I'm people think, do you regret it? No, absolutely not. I don't love the the law school debt that I have, but um, because they went to a private law school, but I I I do love the education, and so I, but I'm not a person that really regrets things. I feel like everything connects, so the dots connect. You don't always see it as it's happening, um, and so I was always just really excited to own my own business. And I grew up in a time where my dad, you know, like I said, my parents didn't go to college, so my dad really was like he really pushed education. My mom did um, too, but my dad was really pushed education. And at, during that time, you had to be like, the, the choices were like, you were successful if you were a doctor or a lawyer. And, and that's not the case, right? But that's what I was told. And so I was like, okay, well, I can do, I, I can't do doctor. Like I, I can't do blood and all this stuff, which later will come into play like, whoa, you did. <laughs> you almost became, a, you basically became a nurse. Um, but but I, I was like, oh, law. And I just love the education of it. And I think it's helped me so much in my business. And it's really allowed me um, to be, you know, to have that background. So I actually went to school to do business. Like what I do is is what my education is. And I don't think a lot, well, I mean, law, I don't do law, but I, I do, I, I went to school for business. So that's interesting because I was, there's another podcast guest that I recently spoke with Nicole Culver and she started her career mm -hmm. as a teacher, as a special education teacher. And it was yeah. interesting because she said, and then I stopped teaching and she actually interrupted herself and corrected herself and said, Oh no, no, I still teach. But now I am an entrepreneur who teaches entrepreneurs. I am a business yeah. coach who has a framework that helps other business owners scale. And I thought that was so interesting to even hear her describe it. And now you, it's that everything that you've learned, you apply just maybe not on the path that you could have foreseen for yourself. I right. love that. I, yeah. I understand, Heather, that in between law school and this childhood you're talking about and the business coaching podcast mm -hmm. amazingness that you do now, am I correct in thinking that there was a little bit of a, a, a pivot as well to event planning or another type oh, of business? Pivot. Yes. So I, I decided that I hated law school. So when I was 24 or not law school, I hated practicing law. So when I was 24, getting, getting to turn 25, I was like, I can't do this. I cannot do this. I'm going to quit. And I was, I was, I had no plan. I literally had no money. I was in debt from law school. I had like $400. I use it to buy a computer, like a Dell computer. And I was like, I'm starting my business. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I want it to be very creative. And so I came up with, I'm going to be an interior designer or I'm going to be an event planner. I don't know why. Those are just like the most creative things to me. And I was like, if I, in my head now, again, this was not all rational, but I, in my head, I was like, if I am interior designer, I have to go back to school. And I've been in school all my life. So I've always had a job and I've always been in school and I've just worked my butt off. And I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to go back to school right now. I have a great education. I want to find something that I love. So I said, I bought the computer, $400 Dell computer. And I... <laughs> My sister was like really great with graphics. So she created this like little cartoon character of me. And I put out my first ad in a 
uh, bridal magazine here in Arizona because I just moved to Arizona too. So I had no friends, no family, no, I knew nobody here. And I was like, here we go. And I think I've always kind of lived that way. Like I always know that I can, I will make it happen no matter what. I will always find a way to make it happen. And so I've just kind of lived by that. And so I was like, I'm going to make it happen. And so, yeah, I started the event planning company. I, I think it was four, no, six years in. So I had it for six years, six years in, um, I gained a business partner. She bought half of the company and then we grew the company. We built the team. And then people would ask us, like, it was something to have a business partner in the event industry at that time was unheard of really. Mm -hmm. And they're like, wow, this is really cool. How are you doing it? And so that's how I started coaching because we were getting questions about that all the time. And I was like, I really love business. I could talk about business all day. The event planning part was the creative part of me. And the, I love details. I love the details of things, but I love the running of it. And mm. so um, that's kind of how the coaching started. And I started that like um, part-time with one of my dear friends, um, Eliana, who was like, can you help me? And then she told people and then it just really caught on. And then in 2014, we sold the business um, to one of our associates that worked for us. She bought the company from us. And I went into full time and I was pregnant at the time too with my son, my, with my second child. And um, I went into business full time as a coach and strategist. It's so interesting, Heather, because when I talk with visionary CEOs and, and my career, by the way, has not been as a visionary CEO myself. It has really mm -hmm. been the number two to the number one. And so it's always interesting right. to me when I hear from someone like you who is so well-rounded. And, and I don't think that's necessarily the case. There are some CEOs that you and I work with that we know that we're, we're friends with where they are dialed in. Like I am a mm -hmm. financial genius and mm -hmm. leave the marketing to someone else. I am able to cast the five-year vision, but don't ask me what we're doing today. And that's where yeah. an integrator or an operator can be really beneficial. And I'm wondering, you have the legal side, analytical, mm -hmm. logistical, you love the learning. Then you have the creative side and you obviously have the business side to be able to make your profitable business then saleable and coach others. Yeah. Is there a particular piece of your kind of visionary mindset that you think, oh, well, that's, that's my number one. All of these others are great, but if I were to identify myself, like this is my biggest strength or gift as a CEO. Yeah. I think there's two things about me that make me really great at what I do. I think one strategy, because I do have that analytical mind, but I can, because of the creativity, I can think outside the box. So I don't like to do things the way that everyone else does them. That's so interesting. <laughs> sometimes that's good. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it's funny. I had, I had a, a business mentor who was really helpful as I started to work with CEOs and he, you know, kind of let me know that CEOs by nature need to be doing something. They need to be setting fire to something. So it's either setting fire to their vision and trusting that someone mm -hmm. else is, is supporting them or setting fire to what they've been doing. And that was really helpful to me to understand, like you don't necessarily want to become or train or work with a CEO and narrow cast them. They're not going to have right. the impact that, they deserve to have. And also it's not going to be a very fun or fulfilling relationship, but if you can kind of channel that and really like encourage 
setting the fires, yeah. <laughs> if you will, yeah. or, or like giving a creative sandbox. And it sounds to me like you've been able to do that in your own way. When you're working with coaches now, mm-hmm. is there a particular challenge that you see in the marketplace now where you kind of see, doesn't matter what industry they're in, what type of business they're scaling, is there one common thread where you think if they have this breakthrough, then the rest will come a little bit more easily? Mm. I think, you know, I am a strategist, so I lean heavily into strategy, but I'm also a caregiver. So I think that I was going to say that was the other part of me that I think really sets me apart in some ways, because I don't want it to be just about strategy. I really look outside with a bird's eye view and go, my first question for my clients and people that I work with is always, what do you want for your life? It's not, what do you want for your business? It's what do you want for your life? And we need to make sure that your business fits within that. And I really want it to be based off of not what other people are doing, not what looks sexy, mm-hmm. what, what really works for you in this season, because it will change it. You know, we have to, that's, you know, I do do quarterly, although it doesn't have to be quarterly, but you know, we do need to check in a few times a year because things happen, you know, and big things happen. And so I've had multiple things happen to me. And so I know that one of my, um, values is versatility. Mm-hmm. So you have to be versatile and critical thinking. And you have to think critically about how does this work for me and does it actually work for me? And so I think those two, like part, those two values are really important as a strategist. And also it's not about me. It's not about me at all. It's really about the client and what their needs are. And so I love you know, relationships and deep relationships. And I love getting to know people and like, I know their kids and their dogs and their family and, you know, their birthdays. And that's really important to me. And I think knowing all that stuff and knowing them on that level allows me to help them really get to where they want to go. Because I think so many times as visionary CEOs, we can see the vision, but sometimes get pulled into the vortex Yes. Of this is the way we're supposed to do it. And this is how much money we have to make in order to be worthy and all these things that just aren't true. And so I think I have a, with everything that's happened in my life, um, when I was in law school, my dad passed away. And so that also made some of the transition of why I changed out of law, out of law. And I was like, this is not what I love. And so I think all those qualities allow me to help the clients see that it doesn't have to be one way and there's no right or wrong way. It's your way that feels good to you in the season that you're in. Cause that can change again, like I said, so. Yeah. And I love Heather that you referenced these transitions and these, uh, you know, things that have happened to you in your life. And I, I find that when I am really like, when I talk about my experience with burnout and not just on mm-hmm. a surface level, but how damaging it was to my life, to my family and kind of that road back. And I was really not uncomfortable talking about it because I'm an open book, but I really didn't want to feel like I'm putting my stuff on other people. Or, yeah. You know, but the more yeah. that I shared Heather, and that's, you know, it's such a, that's such a non event, you know, now looking back, but it was, it 
was directly impacting me and my experience and everything you just said about what life do you want to live? I was working through that in real time. And when mm -hmm. I decided to show up and really talk about that, even when I was in the messy middle of it and in mm -hmm. the pain, everything changed for me because I felt supported and loved. And also like I had space to work through it in real time. Yeah. Like I didn't have to say, yeah. Hey, this happened. And great. There's a happy ending. You know, I could still yeah. show up and say like, right now this sucks. Like this is terrible. And here's, here's what it, you know, what I'm experiencing. You of course yeah. went through that with the loss of a child and yeah. my, you know, I followed London's life and journey and the way that you and your family talked about it and talked about London's impact. It was a long-term illness, Heather. I'd love to mm -hmm. know from your perspective Sounds to me like you always had this caregiver, caretaker heart and this empathetic yeah. side, but there's no way that your experience loving London didn't impact your approach to business. What types oh, of no. takeaways would you say you've been able to use out of such a tragic situation? It's impacted everything. I think it started though when she was diagnosed, right? She was diagnosed when she was nine. It was 2017. I was in my, like my prime of my business. Everything was going amazingly. I was group coaching. I had just started a membership that was like really cool. And a lot of people joined. I had just came off of a conference that was really successful. I was at the peak of my business. And the month after I launched the membership, which had about 300 people in it at the time, which was pretty good for a launch of a membership, at the time, because that was new as in kind of a newer thing, then um, my daughter was diagnosed with with stage four cancer, neuroblastoma. And it was it was devastating and it was also eye-opening and it was our awakening and it was all the things like financially, emotionally, all the all of it. It affected every piece of our life, and not just mine, but my son. Um, who was four at the time, my husband, you know, we were both working. I had already always worked from home once I became a coach, um, you know, but he was in the office. And so there was our, it just completely changed our world because we lived in the hospital for years because she battled with cancer for six years and then mm -hmm. she just passed this February. Um, and it's, so it's very fresh and new. So I'll try not to cry about it. And yeah, I mean, it changed everything for me, but I've always been very open about it respectfully. You know, mm -hmm. I am very aware that my children are their own people and their own humans. And so I'm very protective of, you know, what I say and what I don't, but I'm also, I think there's a lesson in all of it. And I think what I found I never, but there was a side of me that I didn't want people to think I was using it as, a, as I was to sell. And cause that definitely was not the case, but I was very vulnerable in a time when, you know, like I've cried on Instagram so many times, it's, you know, a little embarrassing, but you know, and, but that community that rallied around us and I also rallied around them in their hard times. And I think it made it okay. I think what people have told me is I made them feel like it's okay to struggle and to struggle openly and to talk about it and to be okay with it and not feel like you're failing or not feel like you have to quit your business or not feel like you, um, you know, you can't do this or you're not worthy of it. Um, because 
yes, this was an extreme thing that happened to us, but everyone has our things, right? And I think people are scared to talk about them because it, it there's that vulnerability and there's that you know feeling of unworthiness. Does this make me lesser of? And that's just not the case ever. It just makes you human, right? And so I learned, you know, I've always been a really patient person, but definitely patience came with that. I think I also learned what I, what I will allow and what I won't with clients and what I really wanted and what I was not going to do anymore. And just the messaging that I was putting out, like I, I got wrapped up in that. You got to, you know, the messaging of six figures, seven figures. And at that moment, I just let all that go. Cause I was like, that stuff doesn't matter. Why are we, why are we so tied to all of that? It doesn't matter. It's that doesn't matter when our days are ending. It just doesn't. So yeah. yeah, there's, I mean, there's lessons upon lessons upon lessons that I've learned. Um, but I think the biggest one is just, we're all human and people want to be seen and heard and felt like they're needed. Yeah. Well, I, I was like so many people so touched by London's life. I continue to be touched by London's life. And, and I know that again, even you speaking about it now, for me is really a sign that you can still be processing whatever it is that you're going through. And I know it's cliched, but you really don't know what battles people are fighting in private. Yeah. And when we yeah. choose to share them and open up a piece of it, I agree with you. There's, it, it sometimes feels like, are people going to receive this with the intention that I'm giving it? And Yes. What I just have to really believe is that the people who are meant to hear your message and that need to hear your message, they're the ones that we're speaking to and everybody else can mm -hmm. kind of pound sand, you know, it's, or yeah. work through whatever they're working through. I know that you were talking about, this was kind of a long-term illness that you and your family went through and yeah. London's health got better, got worse over time. And you're running this business. Mm -hmm. You took a break from coaching what I impact did. did that have on how you approached the return to business? Was there ever a time when you thought maybe I won't come back to this? No, I can't imagine not doing what I do. I just love it that much. Um, and I'm, I, my therapist has told me, you're really lucky to be able to say that. And I didn't realize how lucky I am to be able to say that. And so I'm very grateful for that. Um, I do do therapy and therapy has helped me through the beginning. Thankfully, therapy here. So, um, but I think that for me with all that had happened, Again, the thread that I, things connect, the dots were connecting, right? For me. And when I took a break, um, in 2020, actually there were other things going on. So London had just relapsed with her cancer. I was pregnant. I got pregnant, um, the August before, but I couldn't tell anybody. Well, I think it was before that. Yeah. It would have been before, a little bit before that. I couldn't tell anybody because we thought that we didn't know if we were going to be able to go through with the pregnancy because mm. um, we got some really devastating news about the baby. And then it turned out that she was great and lavender's here, my little one. She's beautiful. So, um, so yeah, I was, I was turning 43. I was 
COVID was happening. The world was erupting with everything that was going on socially and racially. And, and then, um, my kids were home with me because we were homeschooling. I had homeschooled London, but, um, now my son was being homeschooled. I had a new baby. We just moved into a new house. Like, and during right when COVID started, like literally the week that I was having the baby was when COVID really hit hard and like we couldn't have visitors. So no one. So the, the interesting part about all of that is that talk about isolation. It was isolation to the 10th degree, because not only were we dealing with COVID, we were also dealing with my daughter, London's cancer. And we had to be so, so careful. So I didn't leave the house. We didn't leave the house. You know, people say, well, COVID, you know, a lot of people have talked to me about this, about their isolation, but the isolation started before that for us because we were masking and um, my daughter, London, she had to go have two stem cell transplants. So during that time, we had to be in the hospital for a month and it was like like a child in a bubble. No one could come in, no one could leave that was where we had to be. And my husband and I would just switch out every night and with a, with a four-year-old at the time. And, and it was just, we, I worked at the, I, my, the hospital became my office and I just figured it out. Again, it was that resilience of, I'm going to figure it out. I've always figured it out. I'm never not going to figure it out. I have the knowledge. I know I can do it. Um, but what that looks like is going to be different. And I think through it all though, since I was little, family is so important to me that I was like, you know what? I, I need a break. I've been working since I was 15. I've never not worked. Um, I've been, you know, an entrepreneur since I was 24. I need a break. Interestingly enough, people would say I didn't break. I did break and then I didn't take on new clients. So I'm very open with people and going, okay, look, I didn't quit my business. I didn't stop. I still had, I had a program I was running. I had all those people in it and I had one-on-one, one-on-one clients that I was working with, but I didn't take anybody else on. And I needed that time to just breathe. Mm -hmm. And at first it was devastating for me because it's all I knew. It was such a huge part of my identity being an entrepreneur And even though I was, I still had clients. It was just like, I wasn't taking on new clients. I wasn't marketing. I wasn't doing all of that additional stuff. And I had to do a lot of therapy around it. And I, and I talk about it on my podcast about how it was one of the lessons that I learned that I am an entrepreneur, but an entrepreneur is not the only thing I am. And I had to learn that about motherhood too. I am a mom, but I'm not only a mom. So it was really like identity shifting for me in the fact that I was like, who am I at this point? You know, I'm in my forties. Who am I? And, and what do I want for myself? Not only my, but also how does that fit in with my my family? And so because family is such important to me, I was like, you know what? I, I gotta, I gotta chill out for a little bit. Now, when I took a break, obviously we were for three years into London's journey with cancer. So we had kind of, I don't want to, it's weird to say, but like, we've kind of gotten grips on how to live life with (laughs) cancer at that point. Um, but having a new baby and being in my forties was different. So there was just so much stuff going on. And I was just like, you know what? Okay. What is this going to feel like? And my therapist was like, you need to take this time and determine what it is you really want for yourself. 
And I did that. And I will say it's the greatest gift I was ever given, even though I gave it to myself. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it was, it was everything for me. And now I just have a different perspective. I think I've always had a different perspective than most people since I've had a lot of people pass away in my life from a very young age. And then my dad passed away when I was in my early twenties. Um, and so life is, is every moment is meaningful to me. Um, which can be hard because you want everything to mean something and you can't let go of it. Cause it's, you know, it's that moment you'll never get back. Um, but I also think it's so great because I don't think everyone's had those experiences that I have had. Um, and so I can give them a, a, a little bit of that perspective that they a lot of times need to realize that like, it's okay. We just need to breathe. We don't need to work 24 seven. We don't need to work harder and harder and harder. Like that's not, that's what we've been told. And that's a lie. Um, and so if we want to live the life we want to live, we've got to figure out how to shift our business so that it fits within that life instead of the other way around, which is a lot of people, how a lot of people operate, um, you know, figuring out how the life fits within the business. And it's like, no, no, that, that can't operate like that. I love that. There are so many parallels to my own experience with therapy where I was working as a very upper level executive in an extremely fast growing nine figure business. I mean, I was helping to run the company and I was breaking, I mean, physically, mentally, like just, I've talked about it on the podcast, but I was not a fun person to be around and I wasn't a fun person to be. And I walked into therapy, very open to the process, but I was like, I don't know, I don't know how to fix this. Um, and because so many people had told me, well, the solution to burnout is you just need to stop working. And I was like, no, no, no. Like I'm Mm. still the same ambitious high achiever. Like I, for me, the idea of not working is not my goal working inside. And it's exactly what you said, like working inside where I feel fulfilled and I'm doing what I love and I feel effective and I have an impact. Like I like to work. So where other people are looking to minimize that and I'm glad for them that they, that that's their journey, but that's not me. And my therapist was the first person to really say, this is not a binary, like work, don't work be ambitious, don't be ambitious. But right now this is not working for you. And Mm -hmm. ultimately the choice is going to be made for you because this is not sustainable. And I ended up taking a mental health sabbatical that was intended to be for three months left to this job, like very, very high risk decision. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was the best thing that happened to me because it forced me to figure out what I wanted to do. Now, there were some other things that were forced upon me. My role was terminated during my mental health Mm. sabbatical. And I look back now, like you said, like in the moment, it felt raw and painful and ugly. And, you know, I just had this very reactionary feeling to it. But in hindsight, I really do think of that as a gift because it forced me to say, well, now you have this time. (laughs) You better spend the next two months. Like you don't have to hustle back to work, thankfully. And I know not everyone is in this position, but thankfully I was able to take that time financially and say, I can really, like, it is more valuable for me to invest the time in figuring out what's the right long-term strategy than hustling back to work just for the paycheck. And I understand yeah. how privileged a position that is, but I return to that quite a bit, which is like, am I still in alignment with 
this decision I've made. And I feel like just listening to you was like my therapist back in my ear saying like, once again, Katie, (laughs) are you doing the right things for the right reason? So I'm glad that therapy's had such a positive impact on both of us. I want to ask you because you've talked about your therapist, you've talked about Mm -hmm. your family, both Mm -hmm. your immediate family with your husband, your children, and then your extended family, you've got mm-hmm. clients, you've got business colleagues. Mm-hmm. What do you consider your inner circle to be? Is it all of these people? Or when you need to talk to somebody, do you keep the circle tight? Who who do you mm. go to as your inner circle? Yeah, I mean, I think I have I have a handful of friends. None of that. Well, if one is I think one is local. Um, all of them except for one are entrepreneurs. So they get it. Um, but I will say that like my husband and I have a really, like, we just, we communicate really well. We're very different people. So it's, he can give me good perspective, um, on, in a different, like a different way of looking at things. than I do, um, I can tend to be very just forgiving and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm a caregiver. I'm a nurturer. I just want people to be happy. Like I'm the peacekeeper. Like I just want everyone to be like, okay, here we go. And sometimes, you know, I have to be, I have to look at the reality. Sometimes I don't want to see the hard stuff. I I, I mean, I do, but I, I think for me, my inner circle really is my family. I mean, honestly, we couldn't be around other people. And I didn't really have the time to talk to other people. I did do, um, during, during 2020 is when I did, I created a peer mastermind. And, um, that was really wonderful because we were kind of all talking about the same things and there was no guilt or shame about like talking about business all the time. Um, and so that was really helpful for me during that time because, but, but it was also hard because they were all doing really big things. And I was like, I'm kind of just chilling over here. Like, <laughs> like, but the great thing about all of that, it gave me the observations that I could do, like observing the industry, observing what was working and what wasn't. Like I saw that before a lot of people started talking about it. I'm like, oh, I see this is huge shifts are going on in the world. Right. But Mm -hmm. it affected all of every, whatever industry you were in. And I think that I was able to go, okay, yeah, no, we don't, we don't have to do it that way. And it's been an interesting, um, it's been, especially in the coaching world, it's been an interesting shift and seeing, I'm excited though. I'm always like, what is the next thing going to be? And what, how can we make it better? And, for me, you know, I know we need money and I love money, but money doesn't drive me. So I, I look at it differently than a lot of people do. Um, and so I'm always thinking of just what can we do to like make everything actually better for people. And so for like the coaching industry, I was like, gosh, we have so, we just put, we put so much stuff in, like, we just got keep adding stuff. We need calls and we need this and we need that. And I was like, what if it was just really simple? And I was looking at this because people were telling me like, I just, it's too much. 
Like I'm already overwhelmed and now I'm coming into these coaching programs or I'm coming into, you know, I'm doing, cause I help a lot of service pros too. You know, I'm, I'm doing these big things implementing and it's just so overwhelming to me. And I was like, well, how can we, how can we make this simple? You know? And so I actually came up with a new framework of how I work with people because the people I work with have been in business for five or more years and they're online coaches mm-hmm. or service pros. So, uh, yeah, it really just opened my eyes to, again, like, let's be versatile. Let's think critically about this and how do we need to shift and what ways can we do this and how can we do it simpler, but like really not efficiently. Cause that wasn't as important. It was, how can we do it in a way that has the best impact and meaning for the client, right. Or for the members. So I love that. And I'm wondering when you work with your clients, what in your mind is a savvy business in 2023 and beyond? Is it something related to core values? Is it a particular type of offer? What takeaways have you had from working with so many amazing savvy business owners? Yeah. So savvy came when I was first started and we, I had a Facebook group and I said, savvy business owner, I called it savvy business owner just out of the whim. And then everyone called themselves savvy. So I've kind of kept that savvy as a part of what I do, but yeah, that's actually our core values spell out savvy. So it's serving others, um, taking aligned action, uh, versatility and critical thinking. Cause I think that's really important. We need to not think like everybody else, like really critically think about it yourself and what, how does it, what does it mean for you and how does it impact community? Right. Not just you. And then, uh, values driven, purpose driven is the other V and then why kind of encompasses all of the whys. So it's diversity, equity, accessibility, humanity, integrity, all of those whys, but also the why of why do you do this? Why, why do you have your business? And, um, I think when we continue to come back to that, of why, and, and it might change of why you started your business to why you have your business now, right? Cause as life changes, I've been doing this for 20 years. So there's been a lot of, you know, I, I from, went from 20 to now, you know, then having three kids, it's very different, but I think it always, those core values always ring true. And for me, being a savvy business owner is about kind of being a good human. <laughs> and I don't, and when I say good, because I don't believe in good or bad or right or wrong, I think that can all be thrown up in the air and mean something different for some, for everyone. But I think when I say, I, sh- I guess I shouldn't use the word good, just being a human and knowing that we make mistakes and being okay with that, but being willing to learn and unlearn and being willing to, you know, open and hear other people's you know, perspectives and opinions and, you know, it not being just about you, like how, how is, how is what you're doing affecting the, the, you know, community, your local community, your the, and then the, the bigger, greater humanity. Right. So, um, to me, when those things are in alignment, business will be great. It's when we lose sight of, those very, very important things because we're chasing something usually that we've been told we need or that we believe that is going to fulfill us if we get it. And that's usually not the case. So, and that takes a lot of inner work. That's what I found. And as a person and as a business owner, 
the inner work is the work that a lot of us are not doing. Um, or it takes a long time for us to do for, that was me. Like I thought, Oh, I'm, I got it all together. I know what I'm doing. Like, and when I really started doing inner work and therapy and all of that stuff to heal my inner wounds and trauma, that's when things started shifting. And I think that it lifted the weight of feeling like I had to do it all. Um, I always said, you know, I want to, I, I can do anything. I, I can, I can figure it out. And I realized that I held so much of that on my shoulders and I don't have to do it all, you know? And again, and it goes back to community and support and having those squad of people, you know, that right. are surround you when, um, when you do need that support. Yeah. Well, your journey has flowed from law school to event planning, to selling a business, to coaching. And so what one of my takeaways is from our conversation is that you can be all of those things and you can be multi-hyphenate and multi-passionate, but you don't have to do them all overlapping and at the same time. And really what I have heard from you is that there's a gift in keeping it simple, keeping it focused and keeping it aligned and knowing that whatever comes, whether it's predicted or totally a surprise to you around the corner, if you're resilient and adaptable, then it can still fit in line with what you are trying to achieve. Heather, I think if I transcribe this episode, there are probably 75 different quotes that I will want to put up on a wall. But I'm wondering from, from your perspective, I love a quote, I, mm -hmm. but there's one I come back to frequently, which is a rising tide lifts all boats. And that to me is mm -hmm. always, it, you know, when I worry too much about what am I getting out of this? Like that, you know, what is my return on this investment, mm -hmm. whether it's money or energy or people, I, I go in the wrong direction. And so I really have to remind myself and center that when I do the right thing and I put out, I always get something back more than I expected. So I like, yeah. I have that written all over my house as a reminder. Is there something for you, a phrase, a quote, a verse, anything like that, that you come back to and kind of consider that to be your North star guidance? I used to have, I used to have like a specific quote. Um, it doesn't resonate as well with me now, but I think for as a business owner and, and working with business, business owners, I think the the quote that I always say is you got to fit your business in your life and not try to fit your life fit your life in your business. And so I always come back to that because I love working too and I can become a workaholic and I really have to find I don't believe in balance but I feel like that synergy of the ebb and flow of what it feels like for me and my husband and our kids and is everyone's needs being met and including mine. Um, and so for me, it's just checking myself and then realizing, making sure that the things that I'm doing are not that everything has to have like a huge impact, right? But that it does align with the vision I have for my life. And I can sometimes get excited about something and be really excited about it. And I'm like, okay, but what, how does this fit in the puzzle? And sometimes we can't see how it fits, right? That's why I was saying you can connect the dots kind of like the 2020 hindsight where you can see where I can see how my life 
connected and why I was supposed to do the things that I did and the hardships I had and how that really made me who I am today. And so sometimes it's hard to see that, but also as you're moving forward, really making sure that the vision that you have for your business is your own and you're not trying to make it what somebody else has, you know, given to you. Um, so yeah. And I think that comes back to, you know, make sure that your business fits within your life, whatever that you want for your life to look like. I love that. And as a fellow 40 something year old business owner and (laughs) entrepreneur, I would love to say that 21 year old Katie and 21 year old Heather would have had those epiphanies, but I don't think either Mm. one of us would. So there is something to be said for really embracing, like you said, these lessons, because they really do allow us to know better, do better, and hopefully teach better. I am so thankful for you, Heather. Like I said, I have been such a fan of yours for the last, uh, probably back when you were really first starting your coaching business. And I was looking for wonderful women in my feed and in my life that I could learn from. And it's been such a joy to see how you have evolved and to really be able to watch you lead as a mom, as a business owner and as a human. So Thank you. I can't wait to see what's around the corner for you and to squeeze your neck because we're going to be in person together now that yes, events are coming back. Each other in person. <laughs> I'm so, so excited for that. So thank you so much for your time and for sharing your story. Of course. Thank you, Katie. Now, listen, when I started this show, I knew that I wanted to ask honest questions of CEOs. I wanted them to share the highs, but also the lows. I wanted them to talk freely about the challenges that they have had to overcome or about challenges that they're still going through. And Heather, as you heard, is in many ways still going through the hardship of losing her daughter. And I'm so inspired by her resilience. I'm truly honored that she was willing to share her story with all of us. And I know that you will have just fallen in love with Heather. If you have been following her for years as I have, I hope that you learned something new about Heather, the person, not just Heather, the successful business coach and strategist. And if Heather is brand new to you, I hope that you will go follow her immediately. She is so giving and she shares so much value, of course, from a business and growth standpoint, but also in alignment with what she talked about on today's episode, which is about holding boundaries and aligning business with life. And she says that she wants to help you do the same and she means it. So I encourage you to follow Heather. I want you to start by going to heathercrabtree.com. You can check out her growth training. She has a number of other amazing resources. She's also the host of a podcast herself, which is a great resource to you, whatever stage of business you are in or whatever growth and leadership looks like for you. Heather is also on Instagram at Heather Business Coach, and you can find her on LinkedIn under Heather Crabtree. I am so thankful to Heather. I am always so thankful to those of you who listen and subscribe and share. And if this episode moved you, I want to hear about it. So let me know, let Heather know that you appreciated her time and her story and are keeping her and her beautiful family and her business in your thoughts as well. And I can't wait to bring you the next guest on Hard Costs. I'll see you soon. 
Thank you for listening to this episode. My hope is that through someone else's journey, you're able to find what you need to keep going because a rising tide lifts all boats. Doing business is hard, but none of us has to navigate it alone. So make sure you share this with a friend or a colleague who needs to hear this message. And I would love for you to write a review so we can keep getting these incredible founder stories to as many people as possible. If you liked this episode and want to learn more about my services or would like to book me as a speaker for your next event, head to katiewidrick.com. I'll see you on the next episode of Hard Costs.